I thought the wolves had me. I were running and they chased me for miles to the edge of a cliff. It were there that I rolled over the edge to escape the beasties and landed in the river. Me leg were bleeding and the pain were so bad I couldn't swim. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 45 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And Jenny has another great letter from one of you when we head to Jenny's Corner in just a bit. Right now, please welcome your hosts, Max and Liz. Uh, thanks, announcer lad. Well, Liz, what's on the agenda for today's episode? Good grief, Max. What? What'd I say? You asked me what we can expect on today's episode, no? Aye, and you answered me with good grief. Oui. Ah, Kitty, explain yourself. Why do you keep saying good grief? And, and what a daft thing to say anyway. I mean, what can be good about grief? Oh, pardon, Max. I am playing with the words. Uh, but you have asked the question I was waiting for. What is good about grief? Huh? Do you remember right after we boarded the Ark and Krynan brought you some difficult news? Aye, and it caused me a lot of grief. But I'm not sure what were good about it then. Which is what we will uh, dive into today. Wait, dive into? Ah, now I think I know where you be going. You're diving into me past, right? Oui, mon ami. And I think you will find that uh, grief is a good thing. How do you figure, lass? Well, although it may be uh, très difficult, it is born out of memories and of love. This I got to see. Chapter 45 Max's Hero As the wolves made their way down to where Max lay bleeding and breathless, he slowly backed up to the edge of the cliff. His instinct for survival made his mind race, surpassing the speed of his pounding heart. The thunder continued, laughing at Max, confirming his hopeless thoughts that he was doomed. One of the wolves landed with a grunt next to the small, terrified dog, a low chuckle coming from his throat. The other two wolves joined him in short order, all moving in close. Instinctively, Max suddenly rolled over the edge of the cliff and fell downward, his back arched with nothing under him but air. The wolves watched from up above as their prey was lost to the black night out of their reach. Max's breath was knocked out of him as he hit the water. After falling for what seemed an eternity, he plunged deep into the raging river before struggling to reach the surface for air. The water was wild and cold, carrying Max along with the rushing current. His momentary relief of escaping the wolves was short-lived as the water pulled him down again and again. He panicked, struggling to keep his head above water. The pain in his leg intensified when cramps overtook his exhausted muscles. It was no use. He could not swim against this raging river. It would be easier to give up than fight. Max allowed himself to slip into the depths. 
Still, he desperately held his breath. His mind started to get fuzzy. He blacked out, lost to the darkness that engulfed him. Something was bumping him. With every bump came fresh pain, bringing him back to consciousness. Max felt his body being pushed against the current, not flowing with it. Something was keeping him from floating downstream. He was too delirious to fight against it and submitted himself entirely to whatever had control of him. Maybe the wolves finally had won. His head was above water, allowing him to breathe. Bump, bump, bump. Max cringed from the searing pain, but soon the bumps stopped. Max lay shivering on the bank of the river, out of the clutches of the raging water, but he didn't know how. He was now safe from drowning, but would he still meet his doom? He passed out without needing to know. When Max came to, the sun was shining and warming his fur. His eyes were closed. He wondered if he had died. He wasn't in a hurry to find out. He listened to the sound of birds, and he could still hear the river, but the sound was more of a gentle stream, not gushing whitewater. He was in a quiet place. He must be dead. The last place he remembered being was anything but quiet. It was chaos. It was danger. It was fear. But this place was peaceful. Max summoned all his courage but would only open one eye to take a peek. He saw nothing but white. Yes, he must be in heaven. His eyes were fuzzy and not wanting to focus. He opened the other eye. Everything was white, but then the whiteness moved. It was hair? White hair? Max blinked his eyes hard and tried lifting his head, but invisible hammers beat his head back to the ground. He opened his eyes again, slowly. There in front of him was a white goat, a big, white, hairy, horned mountain goat. The goat stared back at Max with warm, gentle eyes, but didn't say anything. The goat waited for Max to focus his eyes. Finally, the goat spoke. You've had a rough time, my little friend, but you're safe now. The goat spoke in a soft voice that Max greatly appreciated. His head was throbbing. Don't be afraid. I'm taking care of you. You must have wandered quite away from your home. I don't know how a small puppy as yourself could have gotten way out here on the edge of the glen. The goat smiled at Max, and Max breathed a sigh of relief. My name is Gilliman. Uh, me name is Max. I got lost last night. How? How did you find me? Max asked, his throat dry. I heard the wolves in the distance, and new trouble was brewing. I came down to the river to confirm my belief that it was overflowing its banks from the rain. As I stood in the shallows, I saw that you were unconscious as you floated along the current towards me. 
I reached out and bumped you out of the current with my horns, and was able to push you to the river bank and out of the water. You're quite fortunate, little one, for you could easily have died. I thought the wolves had me. I were running, and they chased me for miles to the edge of a cliff. It were there that I rolled over the edge to escape the beasties and landed in the river. Me leg were bleeding, and the pain were so bad I couldn't swim. Thank you, Gilliman. You saved me life, Max said, feeling a sense of relief as he realized that he did not die. You are very welcome. Tell me, what made you run to begin with? Max closed his eyes. He didn't want to tell this gentle animal why he was running. He was too embarrassed, but he knew he owed Gilliman his life. If he could trust him with his life, he could trust him with the truth of his faults. I'm uh, embarrassed to tell you I'm, I'm terrified of thunderstorms. This isn't the first time I've run away when the lightning started striking and the thunder started booming. I ran away from home one night a few weeks ago during a storm like last night, Max stated. He then started to weep. Me mum ran after me, trying to find me. Don't be afraid to tell me. There is nothing to be ashamed about. Please go on when you're ready, said Gilliman, his wise, deep voice filling Max with comfort. Max slowly lifted his head and moved from lying on his side to lying on his stomach. He rested his head on his front paws. His lip trembled as he remembered what happened that first bad night. She, she came after me, knowing how scared I were with thunder and lightning and pouring rain. She didn't want me to be afraid, but I were afraid. I kept running even when I heard her calling me in the distance. I can't explain what happens to me when I first hear the thunder. It just makes me want to run away from it, Max explained, keeping his eyes focused on the ground. I understand. Storms can be very frightening, especially to one so young. Uh, what happened next? Gilliman encouraged. I found a cave to hide in. Out of reach of the storm, I ran in there and me heart were pounding in me chest. I listened to me mum, but little by little, her voice got softer until I couldn't hear her any more. In the morning, I went back to the burrow, and she were there, Max said, tears flowing freely from his eyes now. I never saw her again, Max said as he began to sob. Gilliman sat and said nothing for a few moments, allowing Max to just grieve. He was afraid of storms, and his fear caused him not only to get lost in a storm, but also caused his mother to get lost as well. Something happened to her in the night, and Gilliman wondered if the wolves that chased Max tonight had encountered his mother. This young puppy was carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders, Max was scared, grieving, and alone. Gilliman took his time before he spoke. Oh, young one, 
I'm so very sorry about your mother. But you must know that whatever happened to your mother is not your fault. Don't carry that burden, or you'll spend a lifetime in agony, Gilliman said, firmly but gently. But it is me fault. If I weren't so afraid, me mum wouldn't have had to come find me, Max protested, allowing the bottled-up feelings of guilt in his heart to come out. Protecting children is what parents do. And if that means laying their lives down to save their children, that's what they will do. That's how much parents love their children. It is of no consequence to them. They love with a fierce love that knows no boundaries. I suspect that your mother loved you so much that she would have chased you all the way to China to get you back, Gilliman said, smiling. She did. Oh, she did love me. She told me so all the time. But that night, she didn't find me. I hid, and she never came back, so... So something must have happened to her, Max said solemnly. You don't know what happened to your mother, but you need to trust her, Gilliman said, drawing a confused look from Max's face. Trust her? How? asked Max. Trust that she knew what she was doing when she came after you. Trust that her love for you was worth more to her than whatever she had to go through out there to protect you. Trust that she would have done what she did whether you deserved to be rescued or not. Trust that whatever happened to her wasn't in vain, Gilliman instructed, trying to get Max to understand. That's hard for me to understand. I can't imagine that kind of love. I know she loved me, but she loved me enough to die for me? Max asked. He began to weep all over again. Gilliman sat down next to Max, nuzzling him with warmth. I know it's hard to take in a love like that, but that's how parents are, little one. If she had never come after you, she could not have lived with herself. Don't be afraid to let your emotions out. You've lost someone you loved. You need to grieve. Never stuff your feelings down in your heart. If you do, they will come back up to bite you one day when you least expect it, Gilliman said, giving Max much to consider. For now, know that you are safe. I assume that you have been living alone since you lost your mother. You can now come and live with me. I will take care of you and help you until you are strong enough to be on your own, Gilliman continued, looking at Max, whose broken heart ached with the relief of knowing he didn't have to be alone anymore. Well... Okay, I will come with you. Thank you for rescuing me and for taking me in. I were needin' rescuing, Max said, sniffing and taking a deep breath. And Gilliman? 
Where is China, anyway? Gilliman chuckled and began to explain the first of many things to Max. The two stayed by the riverbank until Max had the strength to walk again. Then Max went to live with the wise old mountain goat who had saved him from the wolves and the river. But perhaps most importantly, Gilliman would save Max from himself, from the guilt and pain he carried inside. Gilliman taught him the way to live life, a life dependent upon the Maker. Max matured and overcame his guilt about his mother, and he grew strong and brave, daring any beast to make him afraid again. Max was soon fearless of any creature, but not of storms. Gilliman told Max that there are some weaknesses that remain with everyone, but they, too, can serve a purpose for our good. Gilliman was Max's hero. Never would there be anyone more worthy of that title in Max's mind. Never. Max was sobbing, crying in his sleep. The floor felt like it was shaking. Was he crying that hard? Max had found a quiet place to hide and grieve. He fell asleep thinking about Gilliman, and the mercurial dream had come to him again. Now he woke to find himself crying as he realized anew how much he would miss his hero. Are you okay, Max? Came a voice in the darkened storage room. Max started and looked around, asking, Who said that? It's me, Charlie. I was going by this supply room, and I heard someone crying. I thought I'd check in to see if someone was hurt. Are you hurt, Max? Asked the snake with a calm voice and a look of concern on his face. Only me hurt, Charlie. I got some bad news from home. Me dear friend died, and I came in here to be alone for a while, Max answered. Oh, I'm so sorry, Max. How did your friend die? Charlie asked, coming over to sit with Max. He died of old age, I guess. He were an old mountain goat. He rescued me when I were a pup and raised me. He taught me about life and how to do the right thing. You called me a hero, Charlie, but I'm not a hero. Not compared to Gilliman, I'm not, Max said somberly. He was actually a little relieved to have some company. He had been alone for too long. He sounds like he was a remarkable friend. I wonder why he wasn't called to come to the Ark. It seems to me that Gilliman would have been the perfect choice for a mountain goat, Charlie replied. Max sat and thought a moment. It was true. Gilliman should have been chosen to come to the Ark. If there ever were a creature deserving to be called by the Maker, it was Gilliman. I think you're right, Charlie. Gilliman should have been able to come, but I don't think he could have made the trip said Max, remembering how hard their journey was. But can't the all-knowing one do anything he chooses? He could have healed Gilliman and given him the strength to make it. Well, what's done is done. I'm sorry for your loss, Max, said Charlie, trying to help Max feel better. Thanks, Charlie, Max said, smiling. Then he felt the vibration again. Did you feel that? Another vibration. 
It wasn't Max's sobbing that made the floor shake. Something was happening. Yes, I did feel something. What do you think it is? said Charlie, looking all around the storage room. I'm not sure, but I'd best get back to Kate and the others, Max said, getting up and heading toward the door. And Charlie, thanks for checking in on me. Thanks for listening. You're welcome, Max. I'm happy to listen any time, said Charlie, smiling. Max turned and headed down the corridor. He felt more vibrations, and he wasn't the only one. Animals all along the corridor were feeling it too. They were restless and worried. Max began to run. Something was happening. Something big. Aye, them were some tough days, Liz. But you see, grief be good? Well, it don't feel very good. No, but it does remind us how the special ones in our lives got to be special. The special ones are the people in our lives who are there for us, when we need them the most. Gilliman was special, because he made you feel special. Aye, I, I guess that's why we missed them the most then, too. And why we must remember the promises of the Maker, for he thinks we are special, too, and he is the special one who will never leave us. Aye, and he'll never turn us away. And he works all things together for good for those of us who love him. And he reminds us that he is our rescuer, protector, our defender. He is our shelter from the storm and ever-present help in the times of trouble. Aye, Liz. In other words, when Gilliman found me and took me in, he were acting just like the Maker. He were me rescuer, me protector, defender. He sheltered me under the storm. He were ever present in trouble. He were acting like the Maker. And you will always remember all those good things he did. So now, you know why I call it... Good, good grief! grief. <sighs> well, thanks, lass. Oh, and good grief. It's time to visit Ginny's corner. Uh, hello, Miss Ginny. Well, hello, Max and Liz. What are you two curious about today? Well, Miss Ginny, today we used Max's uh, good grief to learn more about the maker. And now it sounds like a young lady wants to learn more about the author. I understand you have a letter to share? I received a great note from Nicole Lorber. She says, Dear Miss Ginny, my name is Nicole and I absolutely love your books. My favorite character is Al because I can relate to him on so many levels. I only want to eat and sleep, and I am the lovable idiot of my friend group, in the best way, of course. I'm an artist and was inspired by your books to draw the characters. In this email are three pictures that I drew of Al, Liz, Max, and Kate. I also had a question. How do you create such memorable characters? I want to make comics and write books when I'm older, but I always have trouble coming up with characters that my family and friends enjoy reading about and remember. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for your letter, and I love the pictures that you sent. You truly are a talented artiste, and I think you have a very creative streak in you. Well, memorable characters, I try to make them very personable. You know, one of the best things to do to create a memorable character is to come up with something that they're really strong at, character traits, something that they excel at that you can really use to um, have them shine in important moments. 
but then also to counterbalance that, to have a weakness, something that makes the reader kind of empathize with them. You know, Al loves to eat, right? He loves to sleep, and he says lots of funny things, and so that makes us love him, because who doesn't love to do all those things like you do? But then he's very afraid, and he's simple-minded, and so that also kind of speaks to where we are, because sometimes we're afraid, and sometimes we're not too smart either, or we can't come up with the answers. But uh, building a lot of humor, showing a very um, personable side, and just showing just common, everyday traits that you have yourself is what makes you really relate to a character. Um, you also had a question for Denny. Hey, guess what, Monsieur Announcer Lad? Nicole writes, how do you narrate all the different characters in the books? They all have such different voices and accents, some of which I've never heard before. Did you have to study and practice? I'll turn it over to you, Monsieur Announcer Lad. Wait, you mean it's time we go to Denny's Corner? Oh, brother! Yeah, you've been saving up for that one, haven't you? Oh, so predictable. Um, I have a fan to respond to. Oh, excusez-moi. Boy, it went right to his head then, didn't it? Just like that. Anyway, first, Nicole, as Jenny said, you're quite the artist. Great job. I mean, I can barely draw flies. Well, I don't know a book. Never mind, Max. But now, you asked about different voices and accents. Well, some come easy and some are way difficult. But since I was little, I've always imitated TV stars and cartoon characters and, and my teachers, but don't tell them. But a big part of doing voices is not talking, but listening. And you start hearing all the little things in voices and accents that you try to learn and imitate. So yes, for the arc, the Read in the Fire Cloud, I had to study and practice a lot. But there are a lot of YouTube videos out there on just about any accent you can think of. So you listen, and then you practice. At first, Liz was very difficult for me. Oh, you find me difficult, monsieur? Well, I, not you, not you, your, your voice. Uh, but of course. Because, see, I never took French in school. Which is painfully obvious, monsieur. Right, so all your little French sayings and stuff, I had to learn how to pronounce. And you apparently are still trying to learn. <laughs> yeah, and plus I had to give them a French accent, but not too much of a French accent, because most of our audience has ears that listen in English. <laughs> That's a new one, lad. And of course, for half the animals, I had to try to sound female. But now that I've done Liz lots of times, she's a lot easier. Well, I'm glad you no longer find me difficult. Not you, Liz, just your voice. Well then, do you find me difficult too then, lad? Well, Max, not at the moment, but don't push it. Well, fine then, Mr. Big Shot. Anyway, back to Miss Jenny now, because we've got a whole bunch of Nicole's sisters we need to give a big old shout-out to. Jenny? Nicole, tell your sisters, Evelyn, Victoria, Lillian, Marigold, and Lucy, I said hello, and I'm so glad you all listen to the podcast and look forward to it every Tuesday. Keep writing, keep listening, keep drawing, and I know that you're going to come up with some memorable characters for your own work. Ah, uh, thanks, lass. Once again, you can email Miss Jenny at jenny at epicorderoftheseven.com. Well, that is our time for today. Uh, Monsieur Announcer, what can we expect from our next episode? Oh, nothing special. Just the whole reason for the Ark, the whole reason for the Fire Cloud, the reason that animals came from all over the world and converged on one place, the reason for this book, the reason for this audiobook. In fact, it's the reason we even have a podcast. All right already! 
Dial it back there, lad. I think we get it. Oui, monsieur. Your words are overflowing. Aye, you're running off at the mouth then. Well, uh, speaking of runoff, speaking of overflowing, speaking of... Stop speaking! <sighs> Just join us next time, mes amis, for what you probably already know will take place. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. And as Gilliman would say, Always remember, you're loved and you're able. able.